Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson, or even a parent, this podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision-making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. Welcome back to the Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. And boy, do I have a unique guest for us today. Uh, This guest is someone that you might look on the surface and go, what? 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 A a breakdancer, a a breakdancing specialist, a a, a B-boy, as they call it. Well, Omar Davila is just a unique individual. And I would tell you his life story, at least from what I gather so far, and I'm looking forward to diving in even deeper. His life story is not only motivational and inspirational, but he's continuing to give back um, and, and show what it takes to be a mentor to those who, uh, because of what's been given to him. So Omar is currently program director for several nonprofits. He's worked a ton in the space of breakdancing and bringing that into a place where it brings a lot of value and purpose to a lot of boys and girls, not only in his area in San Antonio, but really across the world. He's actually now recently appointed development director with USA Breakin, which is a 501c3 uh, that's also in partnership with USA Dance. And check this out. They are trying in creating a pathway for B-boys and B-girls, breakdancers in the United States to become eligible to compete in the Olympic Games. So that's awesome. A couple other little small tidbits. We'll get into this with, with Omar. He is a world champion breaker. He started traveling internationally at the young age of 17 to compete, to judge, to teach. He won multiple international championships. And in 2004, he became the first Red Bull BC One World Champion, where? In Beale, Switzerland. So this guy is, he's still a pretty young guy and he's traveled the world and he brings his life experience to the Driving Change podcast. So thank you, Omar, so much for being a guest today. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited and I'm looking forward to this great conversation. So as you know, uh, we always start our guests off by giving us the OG, the o- the original, the, the origin story of Omar. Take us back and tell us your upbringing and, and how you ended up arriving at 1617, traveling the world and doing something that you found that you really love. Tell us that story. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the beginning of my story is, is very similar to um, the story of, of many others, uh, specifically here in the state of Texas. So uh, my mother was was born here in Texas, and her her parents were, uh, you know, uh, from Texas, and 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 her father was from uh, Mexico, uh, and my dad is an immigrant to the United States who migrated here by himself at about the age of uh, seventeen uh, or eighteen. Uh, my parents met, and um, long behold, I was their their firstborn child. Uh, so. Our upbringing was was difficult for for myself and my younger brother. Uh, you know, uh, reflecting back, I mean, there were many times that, uh, unknowing to us, we were uh, actually living in, in poverty, uh, and and had a difficult upbringing uh, in regards to our financial situation. Uh, my father was a hardworking man, uh, very hardworking, dedicated, and he taught me a lot of life left lessons that. Uh, later on, I was able to use, but as a child, were uh, difficult to understand. Um, my mother is just the uh, most loving and caring and, and, and empathetic person, uh, you know, in, in my life. And uh, 
ironically, I think uh, the balance between them both, you know, was able to give us a, a good childhood when it came to having good morals and values and uh, working hard and, and being dedicated in the things that we're passionate about. Um, but the early years were, were, were definitely tough. And uh, I watched my, my father uh, work his way out of poverty and, and, and take our, our family out of poverty. And uh, this is a man who I saw uh, build our first home uh, with his own hands. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I say that, I, I literally mean with his own hands. I mean, uh, you know, uh, laying the foundation, uh, you know, of, of our first home. Uh, you know, building, um, you know, the, the actual house and uh, over several years and, and us watching it come together uh, was definitely something that, you know, I, I've taken with me uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, now, you know, being that the financial uh, situation we were in, it never really allowed myself or, or my younger brother to do uh, any extracurricular activities that cost any money, right? Uh, I briefly, you know, uh, did uh, track and field uh, uh, in, in school, in middle school, a little bit of, of football. And um, it was around uh, sixth grade, I think, where I noticed that there was a lot of people in my neighborhood, some of my family members who were, were, were breaking. <laughs> and uh, at first, it was just something that was for fun. And obviously, you see other people doing it and older people uh, older family members, you know, you look up to and you want to be cool and, and do the trendy thing that, th- that they're doing. And, and that's really how I got started. Um, I knew nothing about the actual culture or, or hip hop or hip hop culture at that time. It was just something that I thought was fun. And uh, me and, and some neighborhood, some kids in the neighborhood would get together uh, and would do it. And, um, you know, really, it was the only thing that I had as an outlet of, of expression. Uh, I didn't know it at that time, but I, I desperately needed an outlet and an anti-drug to keep me away from, you know, some of the other things that were going on around me with other people in the neighborhood and kids getting into trouble and whatnot. And and, and that's really my introduction into breaking. Yeah. And where were you at the time? Were you in, in San Antonio area or... Yeah, so I'm um, I'm originally from from Austin, Austin, Texas. That's where okay. we grew up in. Actually, right side of outside of Austin in a small area called Dell Valley, and so uh, that's where I first uh, learned to break uh, in a garage on a piece of cardboard and on our um, porch uh, on two by fours, which uh, which actually uh, hurts. <laughs> but um, that that's where I got my start, and it was later on. Um, after uh, being kicked out, kicked out off the football team and getting sent to last period athletics and me and some of, some of the other kids doing it there um, that I really started to kind of pick it up and say, okay, like I'll give this a shot. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I've seen some of your videos and I can tell you that if I tried to do what you do, it would be called break-in, but for a different reason, <laughs> it would be probably my neck and several of my other bones. So uh, now, now tell me a little bit about, so sixth grade, you start picking it up. You start to recognize this could be an outlet for you and your friends. And um, was this something that your, your, your mom and your dad were like, oh yeah, this is great. You should just go do that for a living. Yeah, ab- absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. 
So my mom w- was, was, was happy that I had found something where I could express myself. It was free, obviously. Uh, and um, I was staying out of trouble. Uh, I had good grades in school. Uh, my dad just, uh, you know, I guess what we could say typical uh, Mexican father uh, just didn't like it and didn't want me to do it and try to put a stop to it very early on uh, for both me and my younger sibling who, who was doing it as well at the time. Uh, he just did not see it as, um, he didn't see it as anything, you know? Uh, and um, in in middle school, I, I met a, a friend uh, by the name of Robert and uh, he had moved down to Texas uh, from Chicago. His older brother was actually a, a, a really good uh, b-boy and um, his crew from Chicago had already traveled to uh, the UK and uh, they're really the ones who, who, who introduced me to the, the breaking scene and the hip hop uh, culture in Austin, Texas. And uh, we started going to South Austin Recreation Center to practice. And uh, once I got in there, it was, it was, it was on, <laughs> it was on. Yeah. And that, and that, and that crazy. Cause you know, the listeners know this about, about us, about me and, it takes sometimes, in most cases, it takes that mentor, that sage to kind of come into the picture to, to take something that might just be something that you looked at as an outlet as, as fun. And then you see somebody who's really gone ahead and done something with it that you would like to do. It, it takes that, doesn't it, in life many times to let us see what's possible. And it sounds like that's what Robert did for you. Yeah, absolutely. Him and his older brother were definitely a motivating force and for me to actually, okay, I should actually start, you know, dedicating some time to to practice and to and to get better and really understand this thing. And along the way, I made a lot of uh, good friends, lifetime friends. Uh, and equally as important, I met probably uh, two of the most influential mentors in my life. So uh, one of them by the name of, of Roger Davis, who was actually working for the South Austin Recreation Center uh, and was hosting the practices for all of us, but also just provided a real mentorship to us and uh, keeping us out of trouble uh, and eventually led to him uh, actually organizing some of our, our first performances as teenagers uh, really early on in, in Austin. Yeah. Now, when did you know that, hey, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. Like, this is something that I were, because obviously you became a world champion at it. So, and you did it at a young age. So at what point were you starting to recognize that others were starting to recognize that you were pretty good at this? Yeah, it, it took some time, obviously, in a few years. And I think really what was missing was the the confidence that I needed uh, that would reflect the, the skills that I was uh, acquiring. Uh, so uh, my second mentor uh, was the one who provided the platform, and his name is, is Romeo Navarro, and he hosted an event in the city of Austin called B-Boy City. It was it's one of the the biggest and longest running events here in, in Texas for over 20, 20 years now. And uh, he he that competition gave us a platform. It was the first event I went to where I saw other dancers from around the state and even out of state. And um, I was right there. I said, hey, you know, definitely not as good as these guys, but if I keep at it, I, I don't see such a, a huge gap, right? So I started doing small competitions um, throughout Austin, throughout the state of Texas. Um, and at about the age of 15 or 16, I convinced my parents somehow to magically uh, come up with the money to buy me a flight to, to Los Angeles for a competition called uh, B-Boy and B-Girl Summit. And that... Um, at that time, was definitely one of the most recognized national and internationally uh, recognized events and competitions. And I go there. Uh, I don't qualify for the competition, 
Uh, so I'm kind of bummed out about that. Uh, but I'm being exposed to this international culture uh, and dancing, which I think is amazing. Uh, and long behold, I end up getting into, you know, what is called a, a battle, right? Or a face-off or uh, in-person competition with, with another dancer uh, from California. And he was recognized as one of the best dancers in, in the world. And uh, so by no means do I think that, that I won, but being that I was um, uh, out of state for, for the very first time and I did very, very well. And there was, there was a lot of interest, uh, you know, about that battle afterwards. Uh, that's where my confidence really kicked in. And uh, when I said, hey, when I realized that, hey, this, this guy is considered one of the best in the world. I know this is my first large event I've ever been to. Uh, and, and I did really good in hanging with this guy. Uh, that's when I realized that I could really take this to, to another level. So just life lessons wise, I know a lot of people listening, you know, wherever they're at in their, their own personal journey. I think just to have the, uh, the fortitude to say, okay, I'm a teenager. I've never left the state of Texas, basically probably never left Austin for the most part. And then now you're going to go jump on a plane and go to, for all intents and purposes, a couple worlds away in Los Angeles with a bunch of people that you've never met before you get there, you don't make the cut for the original competition, but you still don't give up. You don't give in. You start absorbing that. You start recognizing there's something you can learn from that experience. Next thing you know, you're, you're in a battle with a guy who is a world renowned dancer. And then you start, I just want the listeners to take that journey, that piece of it away. Like I'm sure you were discouraged at times. I'm sure there were times where you were scared Uh, in general, you're in a world you'd never been before yet. You just kept, you just kept going. Like, do you, do you remember what, was it just, teenage stupidity that kept you going or did you really just have such a drive and a passion that you're like, you know what? I don't care what the obstacle is going to be. I'm just going to keep going no matter what. Yeah. I think it it was several motivating factors. Um, one, it was, it was defiance. I I wanted to prove my father wrong. Mm. You know, I wanted him to see that I could actually do something with this. And I was actually talented and, and really, uh, you know, yearning for his, his approval in that aspect, right? The, the, the father-son relationship, um, which had been difficult at times. Uh, and then, you know, uh, because of, of the discipline and the determination that my father had taught me uh, growing up, I mean, this is a man who, you know, would wake us up early on the weekends and, and make us do house chores. And, uh, and later on, when I was older to, you know, old enough to start, you know, going out for a little bit would intentionally, you know, uh, give me permission to, to go hang out with friends and then wake me up, you know, at five or six in the morning the next day to take me to work a, a full shift with him. And so it was really just, you know, uh, me being dedicated and, um, you know, I had goals by that time. I saw that there were some sponsors involved. I saw that travel was uh, an opportunity. And, and those are two things that I had never experienced before. You know, when you live in poverty, you don't get to get the clothes that you want and, and the shoes that you want. And I thought, Hey man, if I can get one of these companies to sponsor me, I'm going to have a, a lot of really nice clothes. Um, and if I can travel, that would be great because, you know, we've never really been able to afford traveling or, or going anywhere. And, and those were the two motivating factors, right? Um, I, I wanted to get myself out of the situation that I was in. I wanted to become sponsored. I wanted to travel, uh, and, and I was looking for, for the approval of my father, you know, and I felt that me being successful would, would lead to his gaining his approval. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in a second because I think that you've come full circle on that as a mentor now, and I think that I want to get into that in a minute. But I also want to touch on along this journey <clears throat> that you actually were featured in an award-winning documentary, right? The film called Inside the Circle. Uh, at what point did that whole thing hit? Because that was on MTV. It's been on Netflix. Um, a pretty pretty cool film based on you know this whole world of 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 breaking and hip hop breaking and most of us don't know anything about <laughs> anything about well how did that whole thing transpire that that whole film yeah so that was really interesting so uh, we have a few friends in the city of of, of Austin uh, and and basically it came from a relationship of um, someone by the name of Chale uh, who knew Romeo Navarro the the producer of, of B Boy City. Uh, and was introduced to uh, Marcy Garriott, who is the producer of, of Inside the Circle. Uh, and Marcy basically just started coming around to our local practices. And really, it took her probably a good year to get in and to build rapport with with dancers and uh, to kind of start asking us questions, asking if she can film us, asking if she can interview us. Uh, and, and me being, you know, a teenager and being naive uh, and, and seeing, you know, in a sense, uh, this random white lady show up to our practice I was like, no, thank you. I, I I don't really want anything to do with with what you got going on. Uh, but Marcy is is, is just an uh, amazing human being, uh, and she was persistent in, in building rapport. And so finally, I, I gave in and I said, okay, I'll I'll do a interview with you. And I did an initial interview, and um, from there, uh, she was interviewing a lot of other b boys and b girls. But as as time and filming went on the storyline began to unfold where it was really uh, myself, uh, another uh, young B-boy who was up and coming, uh, was in and out of trouble. Um, and um, we were actually friends at one point, uh, had a falling out. Uh, and, and of course, Romeo Navarro, who was pr providing the flat platform for us to showcase our skills. Um, and so she got in very early before I had international success. And she was actually... Uh, on the trip with us and with me uh, when I first went overseas for the first time uh, to Rotterdam, Netherlands, uh, to the event called IBE uh, in 2003, a month before I turned 18. And that event uh, changed my career as a dancer. So what was that like? So you, you know, you'd made the trip to Los Angeles. That's one thing. But then to go to Rotterdam, and like, what was that like? What was that experience like? You're still pretty young. You're still a pretty young guy at that time. Yeah. So it, it, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was surreal. It was surreal. Right. So, so mind you, you know, we never had family vacations. The first time I went to the competition in California, that was the first time I had actually been on a plane. Uh, and between that time, I, I did do a little bit traveling and had some opportunity. I was invited to Vancouver, Canada about a year before uh, did really, really good in the two versus two competition, one second place. And um, someone actually made a highlight reel of me from that event. And that event led, led to me being invited to Rotterdam, Holland. So fast forward about a year, I'm 17 years old. Uh, my parents are absolutely um, shocked that I'm being invited to go overseas. Of course, they're, they're also scared, right? I'm, I'm a minor. Um, they have no international travel experience, and uh, and all of a sudden their son is, is is going off to this faraway land, you know, and they and they have no idea really what for. Um, but they gave me the opportunity, and and they signed off on the paperwork to to allow me to go. 
And, uh, you know, really, I took it as this is your one opportunity to showcase your talents and everything um, that you have been doing and preparing for. Uh, really, it, it, it comes down to this. This is your one opportunity, right? So you, you're prepared, you have the opportunity, and now it's time to be successful. Also aware that if I wasn't successful, then th this could very may well be the cap, right? And, and say, okay, after this, you know, this is as far as I go. And then we figure out where we go after this. So, so you go through that process and you do really well. And at what point in your journey did you start to recognize that though your early goals maybe were, hey, this is a way out. We grew up in poverty. I want to prove my dad that I can do this. I also want, hey, look, some nice clothes, some nice shoes. So your initial goals probably trans transferred from that to seeing, hey, wait a minute, I, I can actually use this to make a difference in the world beyond myself. When did that start to pivot for you? Because now you're such a great influence uh, on some of the younger generation with this. What, when did that start to happen for you? Yeah, it, it, it really sparked, the idea really sparked once I started traveling and, and gaining some notoriety uh, within the, the, the breaking scene nationally and internationally. Uh, but really uh, being successful uh, in Rotterdam in 2003, uh, that solidified it. And I said, okay, this is something I'm definitely gonna, going to stick at. Um, you know, my success there uh, led to several opportunities, I think, um, that was my first scheduled international trips. I had nothing else scheduled. Uh, and within three months, um, I went to, um, Paris, um, to Tokyo, uh, and then ended up getting invited to Switzerland, uh, the following year. And so uh, that's the moment when I realized that, okay, I can do this. I can stick with it. Uh, I'm now being regarded as, as an up and coming, uh, you know, uh, uh, really good dancer, b-boy, uh, and, uh, and the opportunities will come. So I knew I just had to stick with it a little bit longer. And long behold, the opportunities started to come in. And I, I was able to get a few uh, sponsorship offers, uh, which I, I gladly took up. <laughs> and, 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 you know, looking back, I mean, it, it really was um, very little pay as far as from a sponsorship. And, and really, I was just happy that, you know, they were lacing me up with some with some nice clothes and and backpacks and travel gears and and putting me on some some of their uh, DVDs that they were selling at the time uh, and um, you know the, the the travel for me was what was amazing right I said wow I'm, I'm I'm you know at the young age of 17 18 I'm already more traveled than than the majority of my family uh, I've been to more places than than my parents combined in their entire lifetimes and um, I just knew you know I had to stick with it. Now, at what, at what point did your dad start to go, okay, I don't get this, but I get that you're good at it and I can see that you're successful. Did that, did that happen at some point? Because didn't, they didn't follow you around, you know, like the helicopter parents of the America that follow their kids around to every sporting event all over the country or the world. They didn't get a chance to do that. So did they really get what you were doing? So my mom was always asking questions and she really began to understand and she was always very supportive and was always very excited and uh, of course I, I remember you know a lot of phone calls and and, and the first thing you she would always ask was did you win you know and <laughs> and sometimes that was a yes and sometimes that was a no and she was always very motivating when when i lost right uh and my father he was kind of um you know even when i started traveling internationally he was still kind of ignorant you know, to the fact of, of what was going on. Uh, even after I had become a, a world champion, 
um, you know, he still really couldn't comprehend or understand what I was doing or where I was trying to, to, to go with, with this. But I, I do, I do recall uh, the, the moment that I think it, it really clicked to him. And it was after being invited to an event um, in, in London, which was, which was actually held in, in the Wembley arena and um, placed pretty high in two different competition categories. One of them, uh, we went to a tiebreaker. Uh, I actually did the tiebreaker and we lost. Uh, and then uh, another two versus two category, we did very well uh, also. And um, the, the pay and the, and the cash prize uh, was, was really, really good, several thousand dollars. And um, I, I remember vividly still, uh, you know, uh, being in the kitchen and, and my dad very simply asking, how did it go? Uh, I said, it went really good. And uh, I, I remember uh, <laughs> reaching into my pocket and pulling out a, a white envelope uh, filled with several thousand dollars and placing it in front of him. Uh, and I think that's the moment that he, he snapped and he realized, okay, now I see what you're doing. So I think it, it had to make financial sense for him because aside right. from that, he, he felt, you know, I was wasting a lot of time. Right. Yeah. Well, it's such an important point, right? Because so many people in your life and those that are listening that, that don't understand, you know, they, they only know what they know. And they only know from their own experience what they perceive is the right way to do things. And in your dad's case, it's, man, you just, you work with your hands and you're, you just grind it out and you make a living and you take care of your family the best you can. And sometimes that's how they measure success. And when you want to do, especially creatives, a lot of people and those parents out there listening who are raising creatives, it can look like, hey, you know what, this, this person who's a musician or artist or, or, or breaker, uh, this isn't a way to make a living. This isn't a way to make a life. But you got to recognize how they're just wired differently. And that sometimes what we define as success is limited by our own experiences. And then in your case, your dad finally realized that, hey, hey this, this could actually accomplish the same thing I always wanted for him. I just never expected this path to be the path that, <laughs> that you accomplished it with, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So tell me a little bit about some of the nonprofit work you're doing today, a little bit, and also we'll get into a little bit about what your hopes and goals are for the, for the Olympic events and how to make this an event there. So let's start with some of the nonprofit work. What's, what's going on there? I know you've got some really good work with Hope for Hip Hop and a lot of great things going on. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so uh, coming full circle, uh, again, you know, I mentioned the importance of, of, of the mentorship of some of the people that I had around me with breaking. Uh, and really, that just really transitioned over time as I, as I was successful as a breaker. Uh, I just started to have this fire within myself that I wanted to help the people around me, right? I wanted to create opportunities for the people around me. I wanted to give back to the people who helped me get where I was at. I wanted to create other opportunities. Uh, and, and really, you know, I wanted to kick doors down and drag people in. Um, and, and if I couldn't uh, kick the door down, I would try to push others through that door um, so that we could all move forward together. Uh, and, and so really what happened is um, I'm you know, still fairly young. I'm still very successful uh, as a competitor. I'm now being hired to judge. I'm, I'm working for a entertainment company. Um, I'm doing regular gigs internationally. I'm working as a fly on entertainer for Carnival Cruise Lines and performing in an 80s show and really just living a, an amazing life. And um, at the time, uh, uh, my, the mother of my, of, my, of my children, you know, gets pregnant with, with my firstborn daughter. And, and that really just changed things. And um, the main reason uh, 
uh, it changed things for me as although I had been successful and I'm living this amazing life, you know, uh, previously as a bachelor and just having fun and traveling and making good money. I knew that being a, a father was something that I wanted in my life. And I had also learned from, from my own up- upbringing, I knew that I didn't necessarily want to be the same father that I had growing up. And, and, um, the thing that, uh, that hurt me a lot growing up was watching my father struggle so much. He had to be away from us so much to work just to provide the bare minimum. And as I grew up, I knew, uh, that was time we were never going to get back. And I didn't want to miss out, um, watching my daughter grow up. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be involved. And I had a lot of learning to do, right? To, to, to become a, a parent. Being a parent is hard. Uh, being a, a good parent is even harder. It requires more time, uh, more dedication, um, more understanding, you know, good communication, more loving. And, and, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. So uh, when I find out that I'm having a daughter, I start looking for, for work stateside that won't require me to travel every week and, and you know, there was times where when I was working as an entertainer, as, as, a, as a breaker, that I would literally fly back to the U.S., uh, do laundry, uh, change out suitcases and fly out the next morning. And I just knew it wasn't a suitable life for, for raising a child. And so I am hired by this nonprofit uh, uh, based out of, um, out of Houston called Youth Advocates. And mind you, this, this nonprofit, Youth Advocates, had also been hosting um, breaking practices for youth because they realized that they needed to provide an alternative space uh, for for all of us, uh, you know, as you said, creatives <laughs> that wanted to dance and, and not do other things. And so I start working with them as a program assistant and uh, we have a, a small grant where we're overseeing um, a jobs court, corpse grant. And um, I just start learning, you know, I start learning and learning and learning and um, the program director, uh, which is a good friend of mine, also a very big influence and mentor, Fabian Carr, he um, lets me know, hey, there's an entry level position at the full time organization I work for called uh, BCFS Health and Human Services. And I would really like to get you in. He said, you know, you have a lot of, um, uh, you know, influence over over youth and, and over the people that are around you. And you may not realize, but it's it goes further than just your, your dancing skills. Uh, and, and that's, I think, the first time that I realized that although uh, dancing and breaking um, was what I loved and what, was I, what I was passionate about, that it was simply the tool. It was the vessel that was carrying all of these other mm-hmm. things that I was good at. I was good with people. I was good with connecting. Um, and, uh, and, and I was interviewed for the, for the position. And uh, I uh, came into the organization as an entry-level uh, case manager making a lot less money than I was making, uh, breaking and, and being in entertainment. But the one thing that I knew that it was going to buy me was the time with my daughter. And so slowly I, I, I did both for, for a short period of time. And then I transitioned full time into, uh, working, uh, at BCFS health and human services. And, um, over time, I just, uh, you know, the sheer will, the determination, dedication that my father had taught me, the, the, the discipline that I had learned through breaking and, and becoming a world-class 
uh, b-boy, I transitioned into my professionalism and working hard and learning and, and growing within the organization. Uh, and so over the years, I've had the opportunity um, to work with uh, at-risk youth, youth on uh, juvenile probation uh, and parole. I've had the opportunity, and, and I will say the blessing to work with uh, unaccompanied minors coming into the United States uh, without their parents. Uh, and, and really, you know, uh, work with parents and, and, and youth in discussing parenting and youth skills trainings. Uh, and it, it led me to where I am today in, in becoming a program director uh, for a mental health program that provides free services in the state of Texas to over 13 counties. Uh, we do free individual family counseling. Uh, we do case management. We do parent and youth skills training, uh, amongst a lot of other things in this last year in response to COVID-19. Um, now, what I have learned through that journey is, is that uh, dance is, is my passion, it's been the tool, it's been the catapult to get me where I, where I am, but really what, I, what I've always wanted to do is give back, be that mentor, uh, be that liaison to my community, uh, and, and, and give others opportunities and a platform that others gave to me. Uh, because I, without the mentorship, without the opportunities and the platform, there's no way I could have uh, escaped poverty and, and been su- successful. Yeah, it's just a great story. And isn't it funny how life works? I mean, you, you discovered your what early, dancing, right, breaking. And it took you a, a, a years later to discover your why. And now now you've got your why, and now you can use your what even more purposefully than ever before, I bet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, I'm in a unique position where I'm still in both worlds and, and occasionally these both of these worlds uh, intertwine uh, and, and rightfully so, uh, you know, so I, I'm, you know, still working uh, with my nonprofit organization and, and coming full circle now, you know, uh, along with my mentors, Romeo uh, Navarro and Roger Davis, we have actually formed our, our own company called Hope for Hip Hop. And so we're using that um our combined experience and knowledge of over 25 years uh, to really give back to the community and provide the platform for other, uh, you know, young uh, B-boys and B-girls to have a place to practice. Uh, but we're doing more than that. So now we all work full-time jobs. You know, Romeo is a, is a uh, firefighter of the year. Roger Davis is over a 10-year vet at the Austin Fire Department, and I'm a program director. Uh, and, and so we realize now, okay, dancing is just a tool. So we're going to help these youth. We're going to mold them. We're going to let them have fun and be creative and express themselves. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to hold them accountable, right? And we're going to let the parents know that we're holding them accountable, right? Um, so uh, the things that we instill in them are, are, are these morals and the, these values that are life lessons that they're going to be able to take with them and transition into adulthood using dance as, as the tool. I love it, man. What a, what a great way to take something you're passionate about, let life kind of mold you with it and now turn it into something that is really adding value and adding back to the next generation. Who knows, maybe five years from now, 10 years from now, some, some kid that you're mentoring right now will end up on a podcast referencing you as his sage, right? That I was lost yeah. until one guy, this guy, Omar, I wandered into my life. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Yeah. Is for yeah. us to kind of be that mentor. So give us a little uh, update on where things are at with, uh, USA Dance and USA Breakin, and um, what are your goals trying to get this into the Olympic? What's that look like? Yeah, so so very similar, you know, along the lines in my work with nonprofit and and our own company, Hope for Hip Hop. 
is really just trying to, to provide this new platform that has become an opportunity now that the IOC has decided to make breaking an official sport in the 2024 uh, Paris Olympic Games. Uh, and so what we are doing here uh, in the United States is uh, USA Breaking is really the, the liaison between the breaking community and USA Dance Inc., which is the recognized dance sport body by the WDSF. So there's very uh, much a lot of layers to this, but what we are trying to do is basically work, be, be the liaisons and partners to USA Dance so that we can have self-representation at the Olympic level, meaning we want to be able to define ourselves and our sport uh, and what we do while at the same time carrying the integrity of the dance, of hip-hop culture, uh, the educational aspect. Um, uh, you know, you, you've heard already uh, how we can uh, motivate uh, children and, and, and transpires, um, you know, many different things for them. So where we are, are at right now is currently in working and building that platform and, and the infrastructure that is kind of needed here in the United States to, to get us all the way to the Olympics. There's a lot of work to do uh, because of COVID-19. There's obviously been a huge delay in you know, events and normal competitions that happen. Uh, but really what we are doing is, 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 uh, is drafting the blueprint for future generations. And that's what it's about, you know? Uh, right. I, I, I don't think uh, I'll be competing in the games. <laughs> I'm a little bit older, but you know, what I would love is, is to, uh, plant a seed you know we're planting many seeds right now and um that someday will bear fruit and they will continue this legacy and they will continue this art form and this dance uh and and, and now this sport in the olympics and that's what we are doing is we're just giving them the opportunity well those kids coming up that are going to participate in there are going to need coaches right so who, who better to do than, than you guys so and I, you know it's funny because i didn't even realize that how big of a worldwide phenomenon breaking is but based on your experience traveling around the world, it's not like there won't be other countries who will be able to represent, right? There's plenty of, of, of participating countries that would want to participate in this at the Olympic level, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you just, just from, from my experience and my career as, as a B-boy, which has, you know, realistically been very successful. I mean, I've been on over 200 international trips, just me, myself. Uh, and I know, you know, other B-boys and B-girls that have been to you know, 80 countries, 100 countries, right? Uh, and, and mind you, uh, this is a, a global phenomenon that has been happening kind of like uh, underground for the last 20 years, really longer than that. Uh, but now it is at the point where it is going to be uh, in the mainstream again. And one of the things that we want is to be able to represent, um, you know, what this dance is, is, is actually about. It comes with a lot of creative uh, B-boys and B-girls uh, who have their own story to tell, uh, which are, are, are beautiful stories. Uh, you know, mine is, is just one of them. And, and I want to, to give the platform to, for others to be able to tell their stories and for us to also, you know, pr protect the breaking athletes and put them first. Uh, you know, many of the lessons that my generation has learned uh, and, and our generations before us, we now want to ensure um, that we are, are, are protecting, you know, the, the, the future and the integrity of this dance. 
That's great. Well, you've certainly given, I think, a lot of people, the listeners, a lot to think about, a lot of new information. I mean, it, it actually is making my head spin. <laughs> see what it is? See what I did there? I thought, I yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, uh, my, my cheesiness aside, t- tell, tell the listeners where they can learn more about you, maybe where they can get connected to some of the nonprofit work you're doing, maybe even the new, the new stuff you're working on. Uh, point us in a direction where we can learn more. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, the nonprofit I work for is BCFS Health and Human Services. And you can find us at www.discoverbcfs.net. And so okay. I, I would... Uh, Highly recommend people to check out the the work that we're doing here in the state of Texas and also uh, throughout the, the nation and also internationally. Uh, second, you can find uh, information about uh, USA Breaking at www.usabreaking.org. If you want to know what's going on with myself, Romeo Navarro, and Roger Davis, and we have a lot coming up, <laughs> uh, you can find that at www.hope the number four hiphop.org and you can find me on social media at Omar MZK. Omar MZK. Great. And we'll put all these links uh, in the landing page. So those of you who are listening, you can go to the landing page and just click straight through to all these. So, well, Omar, this has been uh, it's been a privilege, man. I love, love your story. I think you added a ton of value to people out there who maybe, Maybe they're at a point in their life where they're 15 and they're looking for that next push. Maybe they're 55 and they're looking for that next push. It doesn't matter. Uh, your story's motivational. It's inspirational. Um, it really is a, the creative side of the American dream, right? Really? And I just I, I love it. And I just hope that we can uh, continue to stay connected and support you in, in anything that you got going on. So thanks again for being a guest. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, have a great day. You too. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.